This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, an election day version of the show. I'm Daniel Sellerson here in Studio B. Hope this Tuesday finds you well and uh, hope you all have been able to vote today. Um, if not, still plenty of time. I believe 8 o'clock is when the polls close here in Louisiana, so I hope you all get to exercise your right to vote. I did this morning, wrote in Anthony Davis as president, and you all should too. Got lots to talk about here on this Tuesday. If you all stayed late, up late uh, for Pelicans Warriors, man, you're a true fan and I appreciate it. But unfortunately, the Pelicans were, un were unable to get win number one last night against the Golden State Warriors, 116-106. to 106. I talk about it with Jim Eikenhoff for later. No moral victories right now for the Pelicans, especially with an 0-7 record. But I thought they played well, and when uh, an opponent scores 13 three-pointers for an NBA record like Steph Curry did, what are you going to do? 46 points for him. 13 of 17 from downtown, just 3 of 9 from twos. So you can tell what kind of night Steph Curry had. And three of their guys, Curry, Thompson, Durant, combined for 92 of the team's 116 points. Anthony Davis, another nice showing, 33 points, 13 rebounds on 11 of 18 shooting, 10 of 13 from the foul line. Each one more with 15 on 6 of 11 shooting. And Tim Frazier, a double-double for him, 13 points and 10 assists on 5 of 11 shooting. The Pelicans bust to Sacramento last night, probably easier than going through all the plane stuff. They got in around 12.30 last night, and we'll get ready to take on the Sacramento Kings tonight at the new Golden 1 Center. It's only the third home game for the Kings so far. They're 1-1 one one at home. This will be a chance for the Pelicans to see the new digs and hopefully get their first win of the season. We'll hear from Jim offer from Pelicans.com as he'll talk about that. Of course, we'll also talk fantasy football with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Hope your fantasy teams did as well as mine did this week, 2-0. and And a lot of that was because of Melvin Gordon from the Chargers. We'll get about talk to him um, about that this week. Also, if you had Mike Thomas or Mike Mark Ingram from the Saints, he probably did pretty good as well. So we'll get some waiver wire pickups from Jake Seeley. Also talk about some other fantasy issues going on around the league as the Saints are off, which they normally are on this Tuesday, and they get ready for a good Broncos team that uh, is struggling a little bit as they fell to the Raiders on Sunday Night Football. But the Saints now are rolling 4-4, four and four, just at a game and a half back of the Falcons for the NFC South division lead what a game last night in monday night football seahawks and bills 31 to 25 seattle a little controversy at the end of that first half there richard sherman um, getting an early start off the line and running into kicker dan carpenter basically roughing the kicker no foul was called then after the refs took about 20 seconds to put the ball down only five seconds left they called delay of game on buffalo they ended up missing a field goal um which could have been a three-point game not sure how you know as far as the whole second half that played out but coming down the stretch when Buffalo needed a touchdown at the end, could have been a, a field goal they needed. But instead, the Seahawks improved to 5-2-1. and one. Bills dropped to 4-5. and five. So the week is over. And now turn a new leaf on the NFL season of this week as we'll get you ready the rest of the week for Saints and Broncos. All right, so let's get to it on this Tuesday. Up next, we'll have Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, followed by Jake Seeley, and then we'll wrap things up here from Studio B. Stay with us. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. 
try the delicious chunky chicken and sausage gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Win the night for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an encore free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is Saturday, November 12th against the Los Angeles Lakers. For more information and to plan your next winning night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. All right, we continue to talk Pelicans on this Tuesday. Between the two of us, we're on our eighth cup of coffee. We're joined now by Jim Eichenhofer from Sacramento, California, as he gets ready for tonight's matchup between the Pelicans and the Kings. Good morning, Jim. Hope this Tuesday finds you well, and uh, hope you're awake right now. Yeah. Hey, Daniel. I'm doing all right. We actually bust from... Oakland, where the game was last night, to Sacramento, which is only hour and a half, I want to say, or maybe a little less than that when there's not much traffic on a Monday night as late as we were traveling. So, not bad actually. We shouldn't shouldn't be in shouldn't be able to use that too much of an excuse it, compared to a lot of nights. It wasn't that late of a night last night. Well, I'm going to use it as an excuse because it was late here in the studio. So I will use it for another day as the Pelicans have another late one tonight against the Kings. But let's talk about that Warriors game last night, 116 to 106, and I know there's really no moral victories in the NBA, especially if you're a team that's 0-7 like the Pelicans, but I thought the Pelicans had a pretty good showing last night against Golden State. What'd you think? Yeah, it seemed like it was another one of those one of those examples of where if you play like that against most teams in the NBA, you'll probably come out with a win. It was a pretty impressive performance the fact that they were down 21 and they were able to come all the way back and take a lead. Um, it's it's tough when you, you're you playing against a team that's as good as Golden State that has as many weapons as they do. And, oh, by the way, a player breaks that, the all-time NBA record for most threes in the game. So it was kind of, I think there was a little bit of after the game of, you know, just kind of shaking your head like, you know, what, 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 what else can happen? and But what can you do when Curry was making some of the shots that he made last night? Yeah, no doubt about that. So what was it about how the Pelicans played that kept them in the game last night? If you look at how they played, what what, what did they do last night that maybe they haven't been doing in the first six games that kind of keep them in a game against a team that has those dynamic scores, as you mentioned? I think one thing that Anthony Davis mentioned after the game that I thought was interesting was that they wanted to make a point of not having lag time after Golden State scored or after Curry made one of his incredible shots. They seemed like they made an emphasis on getting the ball out of the basket and pushing it to the other end. And it was one of the better offensive performances of the season so far for the Pelicans. They shot about 49% from the field, which you'll take every time. And obviously you don't expect Steph Curry to make 13 three-pointers in the game, but 
if you, you you knew going into a game against Golden State that you're probably going to have to put up a lot of points to um, be able to hang in the game. So I think that was probably the thing that was the most impressive and probably the thing that the Pelicans did did, did well last night was just offensively they were able to keep up. They did have a few stretches, especially in the second quarter, where they had a drought that, that made it from a close maybe three- or four-point game to all of a sudden Golden State's up by like 18 but um, other than that, I thought they did a good job of being pretty consistent on the offensive end. Yeah, 26 assists on 39 field goals. Do you find that encouraging for a Pelicans team that um, really had some trouble moving the ball around the first six games, were able to do that tonight? You had three guys in double figures, as you mentioned. So offensively, is this the type of offense that Alvin Gentry has been trying to run for this last year and a half or so, how they distributed the ball last night and moved it around a little bit better? Yeah, I thought the ball movement was really good. I thought they they had a few times where they made an extra pass and that led to a to an easy shot. Um they did a decent job points in the paint. They had 46. Golden State had 42. Obviously, your that's numbers skewed a little bit when one guy makes 13 three-pointers and 39 of Golden State's points were well just from Curry were beyond the arc. So, but yeah, I thought they uh I thought they moved the ball pretty well. Um once again, though, the turnovers, they had 20 last night. And it, it's funny, when you go into a game against Golden State, they were very adamant about we, we we absolutely cannot commit a lot of turnovers. They ended up doing that, but still had a chance to, to be in the game, and they were only down by six, I think, with about three minutes left. So there were definitely some surprising aspects of the game and good and bad that you could take away. But um, I think one of the things that was really um, – really surprising while the game was going on was just that they had so many turnovers and Curry was on his way to an NBA record and they still had a chance and they still were right there with two or three minutes left in the game. Like you said, you no one takes moral victories, but I mean, I'd have a hard time finding a better example of a game where you end up with a loss, but you don't feel horrible about the way that you performed overall. Yeah, what's this mood like, Jim? You've been around this team throughout the year. You're able to travel with them. I know it's been frustrating at times, but after a game like last night and just after seven games in general where you haven't had a win yet, what is the overall mood of this team right now? Do they feel encouraged still that they can turn this around? Is it a little frustrating just like the 0-6 star last year? How would you describe this team right now? I think right now it's a combination of they they can sense that they are playing better and that they're making small steps and also the fact that they're not, it's not like to me, it's different when you're getting routed every game, the way, you know, a team like Philly has the other team that hasn't won a game yet. It's different when you're losing by 25, 30 and you, you say, man, I don't even know where the light at the end of the tunnel is. Whereas I think for the Pelicans, it's a little different because they've been competitive and they've had games that were basically 50-50 games that could have gone either way. And, of course, they ended up on the wrong end every time. But So I think it's a combination of that they, they, they can see that they're making steps and they can see that they're not that far, but that's away from where they need to be. But they're also combining that with just the urgency of, like, we can't keep, we can't keep getting losses. We have to get in the win column because, obviously – you don't want the season to get completely away from you. And when you start out like this, you're already in a pretty big hole. So I would say it's those two things of that it's encouraging, but also really, really frustrating at the same time. Yeah, so now they turn their attention to the Sacramento Kings, who are 3-5 and five on the season. Uh, they've lost 4-5, of five, all those coming on the road. They're 1-1 one one in the Golden 1 Center. 
Just two guys in double figures for Sacramento. That's Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins. Um, so what are some keys tonight for New Orleans to get back on track against a Sacramento team that has been struggling but also having had an extra day of rest not having a game last night? Well, I would say after some of what we've seen with some of the ridiculously incredible performances against New Orleans last night, that in the back of my mind after the game last night I was thinking, you know, is Cousins going to go for like 60 tonight or – is something crazy like that going to happen? But at the same time, they've the Pelicans have been actually very successful here in Sacramento. And I, I think partly the, the interesting thing is that Cousins has had a lot of huge games against them, but it seems like none of the other guys have really gone, gone off too much for the Kings. So, you know, they might be in a situation where sometimes you can't really keep Cousins under in check and, He'll have a big game, but if you can do a decent work against the rest of the team, it seems like Rudy Gay is a guy that that um he's he can be up and down. So if you can kind of hold him in check and do a decent job against him and some of their other role players and not let anyone else get going, then you'll have a pretty decent chance to win. Are you excited to see the Golden One Center tonight for the first time? Yeah, I am. This is this is my fourth season traveling, and I think this is the first you know, brand new arena that's opened there. It's been a while since there's been a new arena in the NBA. I think maybe Orlando might've been the last one or, or Brooklyn, one of those two. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see it. It sounds like there's a lot of pretty innovative aspects of the arena. And um, I'm curious to see also like um, it, they've had Sacramento's had a pretty, they for a team that hasn't done very well in, in quite some time, I think they had, they've had a decent home court advantage. So I'm curious to see like what effect this building has on their crowd. If I mean, it might actually be sometimes it's advantageous for the visiting team because some of the new arenas are a little bit more where people are bringing their clients to the game and people are kind of treating it as a social outing instead of as much of a you know you go there and scream and and cheer for your team and yell at the other players and make it you know a hostile environment. So. There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to about the game tonight of, of seeing like what this arena is like. And I know, as you mentioned, this is only their third home game. So we're really one of the first visiting teams to be able to get a, get a look at the Goldman Center. Yeah, it could be one of the, uh, could be like Dallas Cowboy Stadium, Jerry World, where you know it's so nice and so big that you know the home field advantage isn't really that great because it's so spread out and people are so pay attention to the other things. So uh, it will be interesting to see, and we look forward to your report tonight from the Golden One Center, Pelicans and Kings at 9:30. Jim, I appreciate the time, and just to let you know, I wrote in uh, your name for President of the United States this morning when I voted. <laughs> you know, I. Uh... I, I appreciate that vote. I mean, I was going to write in your name, but I ended up deciding on Pierre the Pelican, and I feel like he's a, a little bit stronger choice for, for that, that office. Honestly, I can't blame you there. I'm not even mad at you for that, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> Jim, I appreciate the time. Uh, safe travels after the game tonight to Milwaukee, and uh, we'll hope for a Pelicans win. All right. Thanks a lot, Daniel. All right. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to fantasy football. Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com joins me. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Hi, Vincent Palumbo here. Terminex is the home of the $650 lifetime termite repair guarantee. Terminex provides termite protection and pest control. Call Terminex for all your pest problems. 834-7330. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. 
the New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. See Jeff Dunham live, the new Perfectly Unbalanced Tour. Sunday, November 20th, 3 p.m., Smoothie King Center. You know, you're like the Donald Trump of ventriloquism. You have no idea what you're doing, but you're really good at it. Tickets on sale now. Available at the Smoothie King Center box office, Ticketmaster.com, all Ticketmaster outlets, or by phone at 1-800-745-3000. Don't miss them. Silence! I kill you! Jeff Dunham, the Perfectly Unbalanced Tour. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Welcome back to the show. It is Tuesday, which means we talk fantasy football. Joining me now, as always, is Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Campbell's Soup. Jake, hope all is well on this Tuesday, my friend. Uh, all is mostly well. It was, it was, you always ask about my teams. It was the worst one of the season so far. Something happened, I guess, the buys. I don't know. It just... It was a very – I was under 500, a good 6-7 and seven this week, so it even happens to the best of us. Man, uh, the buys uh, did not help. I ended up going 2-0, and oh, and I think one of those was due to Melvin Gordon, who just went off for the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> and uh, the guy that had zero touchdowns last year has, I believe, 11 total already this year. Um, is there any way Melvin Gordon's slowing down here, or is he becoming one of the, the top fantasy options here this season? I think he's in the top five conversation. He's in that top tier, actually even top four. You could say David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and Melvin Gordon. That's really kind of the only people I think that he deserves to be in the conversation with because if you look at what he's been doing so far, a few weeks ago the complaint was, well, yeah, he's getting the touchdowns, but the yards per carry aren't there, so you might want to sell high for somebody that's touchdown dependent. Well, if you look at the last two games, 4.8 yards per carry against Denver and then 6.1 against Tennessee where he just went bananas last week, as you mentioned, helped so many teams to win their weeks last week. And I'm looking at him now, and he, you watch him on the field. He's a different player this year. That time spent with Adrian Peterson is probably a good part to do with it. But if you look at him, he's breaking contact for defensive players. He's getting through the lines quicker. He's finding his own holes better. He's just doing a terrific all-around job. And at this point in the season, it's – late in the year to be saying it and we wish we could have said it earlier because a lot of people might have tried to sell off on them and thought they were selling high and it's actually kind of a mistake at this point but you look at what he's done especially over the last three games and yeah he's among the elite at this point and to not have him in that conversation is just being foolhardy and thinking too much of what happened last year so yes I would completely be happy with riding him out the rest of the year as my RB1 most people have him as their RB2 which is just terrific. Yeah, I'll definitely be writing him out for the rest of the year, that's for sure. Um, someone that kind of struggled on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns was Des Bryant, just one catch for 19 yards. I know he's been battling an injury all season long, but for those who have Des Bryant, time to think about either trying to trade him or do something with him. What's going on with Des? It's tough to trade him right now. Uh, you might still be able to get the name value, but if coming off that game is going to dampen it a little bit, maybe somebody still treats him as a wide receiver one. And if you get that kind of return, I have no problem with selling him because the problem is, is Dak Prescott at quarterback. If Dak Prescott is having a terrific year for a rookie, he's going to be in the conversation with his teammate Ezekiel Elliott and somebody else we're talking about very soon on this show as the guys for rookie of the year. And it's always going to lean towards quarterback when you have the MVP discussions and rookies of the year. So he might 
might get more votes than you would think normally for how good Ezekiel Elliott is, and he's not exactly a runaway. But the thing with Dak Prescott is he's not an aggressive downfield passer. They're letting him work in what works with his ability, and that's throwing short passes, throwing over the middle of the field, take what's open and not being too aggressive. And it's been so productive for him, and especially the touchdowns are starting to come. And it leaves Des Bryant out because he's that big play receiver. He throws the fades in the corner of the end zone to get the touchdowns. And that's just that Dak Prescott skill set. So there are a bit of concerns here because at this point, it's looking that Tony Romo might not actually come back and get his job back because you just can't go away from Dak with how well he's playing. He has this team with only one loss and in serious playoff contention as being the best team in the NFC. So how do you give the job back to Romo? And if Romo's not a quarterback, then yes, Des Bryant's value is going to be very inconsistent week to week because he's going to have to score some of these touchdowns on his own unless they're inside the 10-yard line. So that's where I think the value comes. So if somebody's going to give you wide receiver one value, definitely sell him off because you'll get rid of that inconsistency. Yeah, I don't know how you can start Tony Romo the way Dak Prescott is playing. We'll see how that one plays out another guy that hasn't been terrible but has been great is Le'Veon Bell who's had the yardage and of course you add those receiving yards and he puts up pretty decent numbers but still without a touchdown this season for Pittsburgh uh, what about Le'Veon Bell what's his situation like in your hands as far as in your eyes as far as his rankings are concerned yeah I think it's a bit surprising we all expected more from Le'Veon Bell if you look at his entire history of his career it's been terrific and especially even before he got hurt, has been he was putting up numbers almost as good as he was two years ago where he was just dominating the league. And so, yes, you mentioned, the yardage has been there. The receptions and the receiving yards are adding to his value. And even in a standard league, he has double-digit points in every single game until last week. I take two things away from the game last week, one being Ben Roethlisberger didn't look like he was 100% ready to come back. And understandably, the Steelers went with him because if Ben says he wants to play and says he can play, you're going to turn to him over Landry Jones for a team like this and what Ben Roethlisberger has been able to play through injuries in the past. But it definitely looked like it affected him and it affected the game until those garbage time points. It was almost looking like a complete washout for a lot of these players. But the other side of it is Baltimore's run defense has actually been the best in the league so far, and they've been shutting down everybody. And so for the fact that they shut down Le'Veon Bell, and you say shut down, he still had 70 yards. It's not the typical shutdown that you say, but on the road, a divisional game, Baltimore always plays them tough. The Steelers generally struggle in Baltimore. I'm not putting too much weight into it. I think you'll have better days of Le'Veon Bell. And if anybody's starting to doubt his value, especially after last week, I'll throw out some trade offers because maybe you get rejected at all of them, but maybe you find an owner who's panicking and thinking that, hey, like you just said, he hasn't scored. Last week was terrible. Uh, maybe he's not the same guy. Maybe he's still nursing some of his injury problems. So I think he's still in the conversation of being one of the best running backs in the league. So I would try to acquire him if you can in your league. Yeah, a buddy of mine was able to acquire Ezekiel Elliott in one of his other leagues and through a trade. So anything I think is possible Gosh. if you can get Ezekiel Elliott in um, one of your leagues. And the best part is if you can look at it both ways, too, is there's a lot of people out there that might have Le'Veon Bell and take Melvin Gordon and a piece to get him. So if you're the Le'Veon Bell owner, because the Melvin Gordon name value isn't the Le'Veon Bell owner value, that's sometimes you have to look at as perception is the name sometimes carries more weight than the production. Yeah, good point there, Jake. All right, I know uh, in one of my leagues, my running backs, uh, all of them seem to get hurt every single week, so I need some waiver wire pickers <laughs> for this week. Um, not only just running backs, but give me some guys worth picking up this week. 
Yeah, obviously, if Charkandrick West, Darren Sproles, Tim Hightower out there, they shouldn't be out there in your league. But Rob Kelly is atop the list for me. Not only did he look great before the bye and look good replacing Matt Jones, but he didn't fumble, which has kind of been a problem for Matt Jones. And then you have Gruden coming out and saying he's going to get the bulk of the carries. It's a bad matchup this week, and I actually think that Chris Thompson could have some sneaky value because the pass-catching elusive running backs have been the only ones that have seemed to have any value against the Vikings so far. But going forward, even after this week, I still think Rob Kelly is going to be the lead option for the rest of the way, and any lead running back needs to be picked up and owned. The fact he's still in the 20% ownership just shows he's out there in a lot of leagues. And then if you need somebody just for this week specifically, well, Doug Martin isn't practicing. Jaquiz Rogers is in a boot. Anton Smith is done for the year. So who's left? Oh, only Peyton Barber. So if you need a running back, Peyton Barber, even if he's not very good on a per-touch basis this week, and I'm not saying he can't be, and I'm not trying to disparage Barber, I'm just saying worst-case scenario is he only averages three yards per carry. He's probably still going to get 15 to 20 touches because he's the only guy back there. So you're going to get a decent day out of him no matter what. Obviously, you got to pick up Capri Bibbs in Denver and the fact that Devontae Booker continues to struggle. And the receiver, Steve Smith was dropped in a lot of leagues. Sammy Coase and Rashard Matthews are both very inconsistent, but their touchdown upside and big playability are both really good. And I think actually between the two, Rashard Matthews is starting to show some real good chemistry with Marcus Mariota. So those are a couple names that I'd be looking for off the waiver wire for this week. All right, let's focus on the Saints and Mark Ingram. Uh, turned back into Mark Ingram with a big game against the San Francisco 49ers. Also, your boy Michael Thomas flying up the wide receiver charts. What do you make about them? Is Ingram back um, to where he was earlier before he got benched? And Michael Thomas, where is he now in the ranks of wide receivers? Yeah, I think that Mark Ingram is in that conversation. If you want to make a comparison to a team right in the division as the Atlanta Falcons, is the fact that it's going to be very much like Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman going forward. I think both Ingram and Hightower are going to be seeing touches every single week now. And we mentioned this last week, is this is not typical with the Saints. We, we don't know timeshare backfields. This is not typical for Sean Payton, but it's working right now. It was the 49ers, which everybody can run against, but I don't think that's going to change too much going forward is the fact that Ingram definitely had the best game of his season. He will be more of the Devontae Freeman as in the better option between the two. But there'll be weeks where maybe both of them only provide flex value. There'll be both when they are in the top 10 as they were last week. Or you'll have one as Mark Ingram in the RB1 range and Hightower in the flex range. But either way, more weeks than not, you're going to feel okay about starting both of them. Obviously, I would lean to Mark Ingram. And then, yes, I love what Michael Thomas has been doing. You know I've echoed it and said it on this show many times before, but he's the new Marcus Colson for this team. And that's why not only has he been rocketing up the charts, he's number 13 in standard leagues and number 11 in PPR so far, which puts him, if you, if you want the simple numbers right there, he's a wide receiver one. And actually since week three, he's in the top eight. So I actually think for this, I was asked yesterday on another show and somebody said, is he a wide receiver two and must start? And what is he in comparison to Brandon Cooks? I said, he is a must start, but no, he's not a wide receiver two. He's a wide receiver one. And between the two, I think he's supplanted Brandon Cooks as the number one on this team because Brandon Cooks is amazing and he has terrific big playability, but he's up and down week to week. Michael Thomas has been terrifically consistent. And as we've all seen, he is the new Marcus Colson. He's actually even a little bit quicker. Marcus Colson and been a terrific red zone option. So big fan of his and I love what he's doing for this team. So far. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Campbell's Soup. Jake, always a pleasure on this Tuesday. Hope hope for a better week this week than you did have last week, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. I appreciate it. You too. All right. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. 
Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, great show on this Tuesday. Big thanks to Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com and Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. It is a Pelicans game day. It's another late one. Grab some coffee and have the election stuff going on. Put your radio on. Put your television on. Pelicans and Kings 930 from the new Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. I'll have the pregame show for you at 9 on the radio at 99.5 WRNO. Sean Kelly and Victor Howell will have the call at 9.30 on the television side. Of course, pregame will start at 9 central as well. Then Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale will have the call on Fox Sports New Orleans. Also on tomorrow's show, Pat Forty from Yahoo Sports will talk LSU, Bama, also talk Broncos and Saints. And, of course, you never know what else they'll talk about on the Wednesday show. And, of course, it is a Wesley Wednesday. Sean Kelly will chat with Mr. Wesley about hopefully a Pelicans win against the Kings, and they'll kind of get you started on a preview of Pelicans and Bucks. Hopefully the Pelicans can get some wins on this road trip and we'll also continue to get you ready for saints and broncos on sunday also saints fans be sure to check out this sunday's honorary captain master sergeant gilbert thompson a mental health technician in the u.s army brought to you by community coffee the official coffee of the new orleans saints so we'll try to get a denver perspective on saturday sunday's game and uh, of course we'll continue our pelicans talk uh this whole week and get you ready for pelicans and bucks on thursday and then a big one on saturday pelicans host the Los Angeles Lakers a big weekend for New Orleans sports Saturday is Pelicans Lakers Sunday Broncos and Saints and Monday Pelicans and Celtics at the Smoothie King Center all right that'll do it for today's show for Jim Iconoff for Jake Seeley I'm Daniel Salerson thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans the Black and Blue Report thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report 
Presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.